0: We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends and lovely listeners, we are continuing the conversation about the painful, confusing, and sometimes devastating relationship with addiction. One very well-known way to attain support in dealing with addiction is a 12-step program. The founders and creators of this program are Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob Smith. They met in 1934, and Bill helped Dr. Bob with his healing process. Then the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous was birthed in 1939. 12-step methods have since been adopted to address a wide range of substance abuse and dependency problems with over 200 self-help organizations, often known as fellowships, and a worldwide membership of millions. Alcoholics Anonymous is the largest of all 12-step programs and is considered by many the most effective way of becoming sober and maintaining sobriety. Today, we are talking to someone who knows the 12 steps intimately and is a huge advocate of AA and the 12-step format. We are talking to Andrea Michelle. She is a grateful, recovering alcoholic since 1997, a single mother raising a 16-year-old son. Andrea has been in the medical profession for 20 years and specializes in laser eye surgery. She loves helping people see, but the most rewarding part of her life is working with other women and assisting them in finding a solution that will help them live sober, comfortable, healthy, and empowered lives free from the disease of addiction. So, Andrea, Michelle, I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. Thank you. I'm excited. So, Andrea, let's just start with this. It seems you believe that alcoholism is a disease. Is that accurate Absolutely.
1: I believe that it's a mental, f- physical, and spiritual disease, or if
0: you will, malady. Very interesting, because there, there's a huge, um, I guess, debate or argument um, on whether alcoholism is or is not a disease. And and perhaps there's validity to both sides of the conversation. Um, but I know that I've done my research and... and um, from what I understand, it it is a disease. It is um, a disease of the brain, characterized by altered brain structure and function. And um, some people Absolutely. just can't can't have alcohol. Yeah, just
1: can't and do I, it. I, I do believe physiology. that. I think what I, I I think what I I have learned is also being in the medical field is that. When I deal with disease on a daily basis, whether we're talking about alcoholism or we're talking about eyeballs, the bottom line is that there's something physically that goes on. And what I've learned through my own experience, not what someone taught me or preached to me or programmed me to believe, was that... Something bodily happens to me that is absolutely different from normal people and what it creates is that when I had consumed alcohol that it would always end up in an extreme amount and the dependency and and the excessive amount that I would basically consume, it would always lead to um, physical problems. And what I also had to learn about that, it was that the mental part of it always came first because obviously what we're talking about now is that I've said I had to consume the alcohol to have the physical problem. Dr. Silkworth actually described alcoholism as an allergy of the body. But what I've learned is that the obsession and the mental part that I do believe is a mental disease always comes first.
0: Mm. That's so fascinating for me because I've often believed as I've... um, worked with people struggling with addiction and, and known people to me, it seems like there's a deeper malady, which is like a, almost a soul sickness. Would you, would you say that seems accurate from your perspective?
1: Absolutely. And it talks about that in the big book is, is reference to, um, mentally, physically, and spiritually, it really talks in depth about spiritual sickness and really the whole, uh, the, the whole purpose of working a 12-step program is so that we can heal that hole, that we can find an outlet of something that is going to fill us up, and it always ends up, anybody you talk to, that um, whether they're confused about what they are or they know what they are, is that it always comes down to a spiritual disease that we're trying to overcome.
0: So this is this is an interesting um possibility or question um so if we heal that spiritual disease as an alcoholic can we then have a glass of wine
1: my experience is no and my belief is once an alcoholic always an alcoholic and the reason why i say that is is because i can I can. I've done this. My experience is, is that I've tried everything. I've been locked down in institutions. I've gone to, you know, been in in uh, in treatment centers. I've gone through detox. I go to church. I find the answers. I work out. I take up a new hobby, whatever, to change the way that I feel. Without once I've once I've become abstinent from alcohol, put down the drink or drug or whatever it is I'm putting in my body. That once I do that, I can search you know, on the outside to throw all these things in that hole and, um, and they work temporarily. And I can overcome spiritual sickness and feel whole and feel positive and whatever you want to call your higher power, God, whatever it is. Um, and I can feel good and solid in my life once again. And what happens is, is when I buy that delusion one more time, because always in my experiences is that I'll finally have that thought once again, like you just said, well, or bang with normal people and be with my family and friends and everybody that can drink normal and no consequence. And I'll start to think, wait a minute, life is good, I'm going to work, I'm taking care of my kid, I'm showing up for life, I'm successful, I'm all of these things, why can't I do that like they do? And my experience is that I tried it over and over again, and once I put one drink in my body, I had that reaction of what I talked about earlier, is the Mm -hmm. allergy of the body, And what happens to me is when that chemical mixed with whatever chemical imbalance it is that I have inside of me, I do not respond like normal people. I have to have more. I never know when I'm going to stop. Maybe I can get away with it for a week, a month, even some people a year, but the day will always come that I return to excessive drinking and I am harming myself physically and making poor choices. We can go on and on with the list. But I've never been able to return to one drink and control and manage my drinking. Never been able to.
0: Well, so, yeah, I I find this so interesting. We were having a conversation a bit earlier about how a lot of people that that are given the label of alcoholic really aren't. Perhaps they abuse it. Perhaps they have a dysfunctional relationship with it. But um, alcoholism maybe isn't as prevalent as the court systems would maybe think it is. Or, you know, you talked about uh, people being in AA. Mm -hmm. Most of the people out sitting there may not actually be alcoholics. So how do we know? If somebody's listening to us, they may be going, well, I don't know if I'm an alcoholic or not. How can we start to figure this out for ourselves?
1: You know, and I I hate to refer to it like this, but it's the bottom line truth is that We all have to have our own experience. It was my experience that I couldn't hear what other people said, what they told me how to fix this part of me or how I needed to figure it out or just stay here in the program. I always had to learn the hard way and go out and have my own experience. And the truth was, I wanted more than anything to not be alcoholic. I wanted more than anything to not believe that I was going to have to work a program, which a program is basically spiritual principles is what we learn behind the 12 steps a spiritual principle and it is a way of life and what happens is is that we get to learn all of that as a solution but you know the unfortunate or fort- fortunate that I believe today is there was a lot of research and a lot of pain and a lot of alcoholism and a lot of use of, of, of drinking and having to use prescription medication which is huge now in the world um To have my own experience and there were times, of course, when I was younger that I was having fun, that I was controlling it, that I could show up for life, that I could do all of the things that I needed to be accountable and responsible to and then it got a grip of me where I could no longer control. And nowadays, especially, I think it's one of the biggest things that is going on is that, you know, people with legal problems, and they end up in jail, and they're facing prison sentences or whatever it is, and they're thrown into the court system, and they want to fix them. They want there to be an answer. The jails are all filled with people. They don't know what to do with them anymore. So because of maybe a set of circumstances, some illegal issues and they see that maybe the person was under the influence at the time, the new thing is just we, you have to, you're, you're sentenced to a 12-step program or a recovery home or whatever it may be, and um, you have to do that to comply with the court. So of course you're, you know, and some people don't actually. They'll go out and still do what they need to do, even knowing what the consequence is. But it's the only answer, and we're hoping that... You know, some of the time, and they are it's going to be the right place for people to land. But the truth is there's many people in the world that have had some traumatic experiences in life they've just hit some lows, and that um, they have abused alcohol they don't have necessarily a do believe in the gene the gene um, and it, their life isn't constantly filled with uh, circumstances and situations that are going to burn their life to the ground all the time. They're able to go to that program, um, maybe do some of that step work and remain with the biggest one is just to get the alcohol or drugs out of their system. And once they sober up, they can genuinely say, or they're faced with a medical situation or they're faced with my husband or wife is going to leave me or my kids are going to be taken away and they snap out of it and they are able to stop. What I know is the real alcoholic, in spite of everything, we call it in the program, frothy emotional appeal, and that means anybody who cares about you, the kid, the wife, the mom, the husband, whoever, please don't do this again. You're destroying our family, and the disease has such a grip on you that you cannot not pick up a drink or take a prescription pill or whatever it is, and there's people filled in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that does not necessarily have this program. What I always tell people like that is, let's go through the step process, see what it does for you, and, you know, go try to live on your own and do the things that you naturally do and you think you have power. You're either going to end up treating alcoholism with a twelve step program or if you be real alcoholic, you will have to treat your disease with alcohol and drugs once again. Mm-hmm
0: it's It's a fascinating conversation and and I really appreciate your your forthrightness and your honesty uh, about this so um Andrea, do you think it is is helpful or is it is it um limiting or is it just responsible to continue to identify with the title or term alcoholic
1: um You know, I have, I got to tell the truth about myself. I have mixed feelings about that. When I first came into the program is that uh, I did not want to be alcoholic. I thought this was real extreme. When I would read things or people would say to me, you're an outright mental defect, full flight from reality. And I'd be like, you guys are a little extreme. I can't handle this. (laughs) You know, I'm an alcoholic right now. I'm, I thought I'm an alcoholic for as long as I'm drinking And what I know today and the reason why I go into a room and I'll announce, you know, introduce myself and acknowledge the fact of being alcoholic is, yes, that I need to remind myself that I'm suffering from the ism, and the ism is the disease part, because truly alcohol is but a symptom of our disease, because naturally you would think if we just put down alcohol, our lives would get better and everything would be fine as long as we remained abstinent. But the truth is, is for the real alcoholic, because what we've learned is it is a thinking problem. It is a perception problem. There's a mental malady that goes on in our head that tells us things about ourselves that we can go to just real basics of people, you know, low self-esteem, low self-worth, whatever it is, that we've got this programmed from whatever our child's our family lives, whatever abusive relationship, whatever it may be, that we've got this old bad tape in our head playing. And normally, if you listen to that long enough, of course anybody would want to alter their state and change the way that they feel. And um, so today I know that when I'm identifying as an alcoholic, what I'm really doing is reminding myself that there is an ism. There is more than just this drinking thing that has happened to me that I need to make sure that I'm mentally stable, that I'm physically stable, and that I'm spiritually stable. And it was in that order before... Actually, it was physical, mental, spiritual in that order for me when I first was introduced to the program. Today, I know that all of that was to lead me to a spiritual path. And the most important thing today while I continue to go to meetings and that I show up and still work this program is because I need my own freedom but is to help somebody that is new, because without their identification, how are they going to heal? And most people don't get to have that experience because they're terrified of the world. A lot of people are terrified of God or spirituality or whatever it may be, and until they can voice that and vocalize it to someone who understands, they may never reach that. So the most important thing today is that I'm there to be of service to help someone understand themselves.
0: Hmm. And that, that is such um, a generous, generous thing for you to be doing. So Andrea, do you feel that uh, the 12 step program is something that you will want to do the rest of your life? You feel you have to do the rest of your life. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Um, I, not as I mentioned a minute ago, not initially. um, I thought I was going to be able to go here. They were going to give me some information so that I could get my life back on track. And then I would be able to wipe my hands and say, thank you, just, you know, going to school or whatever it may be to learn a new, you know, to to learn how to implement something that was going to help me be healthy. Mm -hmm. And um, what I learned is that some of what we already just kind of touched on is that I go there because once i 'm removed from um, i don 't the one thing I do want to kind of make clear too is that i I hear a lot of people refer to, and what they think and their perception is is that we are continuing to labelize ourselves as alcoholic, and that means that I get to have this yucky label of something that is not pleasant or or good and that people look at as something negative. And, um, that's, and, and that we go into these rooms and it's a bunch of people sharing war stories and all the horrible things and talking about, you know, actively whether it's drinking or using. And, you know, people will say, and that can happen at times in meetings, but usually a chairperson or somebody will cut that off because what we're really there to do is share our experience, strength, and hope. And the experiences in a general way, which obviously will be some of that ugly stuff in the past that we've lived through, but the real purpose of being there and going to those meetings is so that we get to immediately get, get in a solution. And those steps are to give us a way of life, a spiritual way of life to live, because life on life's terms is never going to stop happening for anybody, whether you're alcoholic or addict or not. Life happens, people die, you know, kids drop out of school, whatever, you know, you get a divorce, you know, things happen and, you know, people are, some people are just naturally wired that they've got what it takes to handle and process and stay mentally stable. What I've found is that people with alcoholism and addiction problems is it's usually very difficult for them to process through life and they have to find something to alter their state. And so now for me, instead of having to put drugs or alcohol in my system, I get to go to a 12-step program. I get to help people. I get to be of service in the world and in the community so that I can stay full and I don't have to live in the disease anymore. So, yes, for me, I am totally empowered by being of service to this. And what used to be something very ugly in my life is something so positive and rewarding.
0: Mm. I, I love hearing you speak. I'm so, so just inspired by your commitment, your heart, your your um, knowledge, your wisdom, your openness, your authenticity. This is um, just a very um, compelling conversation. So I'm just really grateful that you're taking the time to to talk about this because it can be a tough subject, you know? It yeah. can be a very tough subject. So, um, I, 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 like something you said earlier and you're going to have to maybe, uh, uh, repeat the term frothy emotionalism. Is that what you said? Frothy emotional appeal. And okay. I used
1: to read that in, in our book and I thought what I, you know, and I, and I'll tell you, you know, and the other thing is that I would tell people and I influence people is just ask the questions don't ever feel dumb, don't ever feel embarrassed to walk in a room, you know, ask to not know, to have difficulty reading out loud, all of those things we all struggled from at some point or another, but that was a part of the book that I used to read early on that I, I didn't quite know what it meant, and I thought that it meant that people were just kind of aloof about the disease. But what it really meant and as I asked and opened up and I you know, I have a sponsor and she walked me through this process and um and she kindly and lovingly explained to me it's the people that care about us. The frothy emotional appeal. It's overflowing with emotion and genuine and authenticity that someone wants nothing more but for you to heal and get better because they don't want to watch you die anymore. The grandmother, my experience, you know, raised me and took care of me and helped me raise my son when I was in my disease. And, you know, in the early years of the first year of his life, um, I was really struggling with getting sober. And in uh, her you know, telling me, please, why do you have to live like this? What about Billy? What about, you know, the job? My employers loved me. They invested in me. They sent me to school. They, you know, gave me my education. And, you know, they would say things like when I'd fall off, you know, she's the best employee that we've ever had. Can you do something to fix her? Please, we just want her back my son in the CVS screaming, Mommy, please don't do this again, and I have to because it's the disease, not because I don't love my son, a normal person would never have to choose between that.
0: Yeah, you bring up something so vital. I mean, it hurts so much to love somebody more than they love themselves, and I've witnessed a lot of people struggle in addiction. So how can somebody... What should somebody do if they see somebody they love abusing themselves in this way? Is there anything we can say that isn't frothy emotionalism? Is there anything we can do? How, how do you suggest we handle that challenging situation? Or do you have any you suggestions?
1: Know. Yeah, I, I have to chuckle a little bit because I did not ever want this to be the answer for my enablers because I say enablers in a way of, you know, it was those people that cared about me and loved me that wanted me to change that wanted me to change my way of living and with this problem that I was suffering from that they could definitely I didn't understand it. They for sure couldn't understand it. And um, you know, I didn't want people to tell my grandmother to go to Al Anon and to because here's what happened especially for the family members, and, you know, and even in friendships where you don't have to or, or you know, you maybe the, the desire isn't as strong that you think you need to fix them, but, um, to it's that tough love thing. And what I mean by tough love is not that you cut people off, but that you love them unconditionally, and we have to embrace their disease and understand that they are not doing this to us. And they don't want to be doing what they're doing. They have no power to stop within themselves, left alone, left with just them and this disease, if, you know, whoever wants to believe that about themselves. And and I want to reiterate, not everybody suffers from this. So there's many options for people that are going to work for them. My belief is that if you've got true alcoholism, these are the things you have to do in our families. are, are sick as well. They suffer from the ism also because what ends up happening in most families with parents, with husbands and wives and children is they want so desperately to fix you. They will keep enabling you, putting the cushion under you, bailing you out, paying your bills, taking care of your child, of which all of my family did for me years and years and years. And I share something usually that it confuses people at times, but you can love someone literally to death. If my grandmother and my family years ago did not finally say, We are sick Mm -hmm. of watching you die. We will no longer tolerate this and shut the door. I would probably be dead today. It's very, it takes a, Mm -hmm. a lot of strength for someone to be able to do that to someone they love. But I don't care whether it's your kid, if it's your husband, your wife, your grandmother, your father, whoever it is, is that we want to be supportive. We want to support them in getting help. We want them to always know we love them. You know, one of the things I say to my family members, I have family members that still suffer from this disease. I have very close friends of mine, and I tell people all the time, I will go to hell and back with you if you want to stay sober. But if you don't, I can't live in the ditch with you.
0: You've got to go burn
1: your life to the ground. Some people, not some, if you have what I have, You have to hit your bottom. And for as long as people are making the bottom cushiony or easy or bailing them out all the time, you are robbing someone of hitting the bottom that they need to do the right thing so that they can get their life on track and arrest their disease.
0: So Andrea, Michelle, just thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your heart. You're a powerful spiritual soldier, and I'm so grateful You. So, if my listeners want to get a hold of me, if you have any questions, get a hold of me at tammybphd.com and write me. I'm always interested in knowing what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and how you are. So, God bless you. Love to you from our hearts to yours, onward and upward. Bye for now.